it's not that you haven't touched on this, but I just have a bunch of questions about about Silent Winter. And if you could just tell us briefly about the chapter called uh, Our Current Trajectory and and maybe just give us maybe something else that you might not have touched on during the presentation. Sure thing. Yeah. So um, that's one of the opening chapters of my book. And um, I, what I wanted to impress upon people. So I, I had I actually had gone to graduate school for environmental planning and design. And, you know, you, you go to a degree like that and you find out about sort of you know, in environmental pollution and degradation. And um, it's something that I think all of us are becoming more familiar with, but we don't realize that that same sort of undermining is happening now in our body and it's happening from these chemicals. And um, there's this really weird economic dynamic that's happening is that the companies that are producing the chemicals that are undermining our bodies are frequently the same companies that produce the pharmaceuticals to um, come up with the, you know, to take away the pain or to deal with the problems that we're having. So we have this weird economic dynamic where we're, we're kind of being almost, you know, I call it being colonized in some sense, you know, that we, um, <clears throat> we're being undermined our natural resources, our natural resources in the body that keep us just naturally healthy and whole and functioning are no longer working because of these toxic chemicals and, um, the trajectory is that we're going to become more and more dependent on pharmaceuticals from the same companies making the toxic chemicals that are undermining our health. So that's a, a you know, a short nugget, but I, I, I go a little bit into, you know, have some fun with it and go into detail about that. So incredibly diplomatic of you to use the word weird. I, I might go so far as to say sinister, but what do I know? Uh. <laughs> it's unfortunate. It, you know, it is unfortunate, but we can, we can change that tra trajectory any moment. Um, and yeah, we can we can change all that, but we need to be aware that this is sort of you know if you if you just took where we are now and where we're going to its logical conclusion, that's where we're going. So we need something different. Thank you for that. Uh, I do see a hand raised uh, from Sharon. So Sharon, I will unmute you. Welcome. Hi, can you hear me? Hi, Sharon. Yes, we can hear you. Okay, I'm very interested in uh, what causes uh, Parkinson's disease and what to do about Parkinson's disease. If you mm -hmm. could enlighten me on that, I'd really appreciate it. Thank you. Sure. Well, I can I can talk about the the chemical aspect of it. So, you know, I mentioned a little bit at the beginning um, the the term neurotoxins. There are a lot of chemicals that are toxic to the, the the nervous system, and this is everything from the way the brain functions to the the nerves to the way the nerves power the muscles and whether the muscles you know are when they're moving and how they're moving. Um, and, um, so there's a, you know, there's this, there's an impact or de degeneration on that system with Parkinson's and, um, and it's something that can be undermined both with sort of ongoing acute exposures where you're, you're getting exposed to chemicals that are undermining that nervous system, but also with chemicals that are in the body, they're long lived and they're just lodged in there and they continue to interfere with the proper functioning of the nervous system. So uh, for anybody who has any symptoms of Parkinson's or anything similar or, or has been diagnosed with a disease, I would say it is worth your while to reduce your exposure to chemicals and worth your while to do things to support your body's elimination of them. Um, pesticides, all forms from the, in, you know, from the disinfectants to the, um, 
insecticides, all of that are known. Those are the biggest category of neurotoxins there are. Fragranced products also are known to contain neurotoxins. So those are two huge categories of things I would really stay away from. That's... And especially in food, you know, but everything around you, everything you put in, on, and around your body. Really, Does that really help answer your question, Sharon? Yes. Great. Thanks for the question, Sharon. And, and again, Joanna, thank you very, very much. I mean, really meaningful to so many folks out there. Um, let's go now to Mike. Welcome, Mike. Hi, Mike. Yeah, hi. Uh, a question I'm trying to help with somebody is um, I've understood they've got a ruptured silicon breast implant, and I've heard that it's migrated to the lymph nodes. Um, I've not heard the person talk about ways they're planning to eliminate the silicone that's maybe migrated. Mm -hmm. Do you have any advice that I can give them? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, there's, yeah. So anything, you know, implants are generally a huge issue, uh, regardless of the, what they're made of. And especially, you know, when there's a rupture there, because the body just doesn't recognize that stuff as, as natural, right? So it's going to start trying to eliminate that. It might have an autoimmune response and things like that. Um, you know, I would definitely... I would definitely have the same recommendations that I, that I gave in this presentation about the zeolite, about the, the vitamins, the, the minerals, the diet and things like that. I would definitely have that person do all these things. Uh, and I probably would um, have them look around if there's anybody who specifically specializes in that type of detox. I don't have, um, there are research studies out there, for example, with zeolite of what, um, what um, types of substances it prioritizes and what order it wants to grab things and get them out of the body. But I don't have any recollection about, you know, how effective it might be for, uh, for this type of problem. But in reducing um, any other type of toxins and any other type of toxic chemicals that your friend has to deal with, it's gonna strengthen her body's immune system and ability to deal with this. But I would say, she might want to look around for somebody who's who's helped people who have had a similar issue as well. But anything that's going to help her detox and strengthen her, her body on this front is going to be helpful. Thanks very much. And, uh, and thanks to you as well, Mike. And um, let's now go to Marlene. Welcome, Marlene. Uh, thank you. Um, I appreciate your uh, presentation very much. I just had a question. Um, I eat a lot of red beans uh, by Goya, and they have this ingredient, um, and I've not been able to find very much about it. It's called calcium disodium EDTA, and it says it's for color retention, but I don't know what this is. I don't know whether it's harmful, and it's hard to find a red bean without it in there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, it would be better if you could find something without it. You know, I'd say anything, you know, especially if you're eating this kind of regularly, um, that's a synthetic chemical preservative at that is going to, um, is putting a burden on your body. I mean, that's, that's as much as I can say if, and especially if you're, if you're having any health challenges, I, I'd say definitely super would be worth it. And if something you're eating regularly, definitely would super be worth it to find something else. Maybe there's a slightly different. You said it was that like you're eating a, it's a red bean. Yes, it's a particular brand. I don't know if I should say the brand of red bean. I, I can buy the dry beans that 
aren't in the can, but they are in the canned beans specifically. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Well, one thing I can, you know, one, one tip I can give you that um, is less known is for beans. Um, if you, when you cook beans, if you put uh, like half a teaspoon to a teaspoon of baking soda while you're cooking them, and do not add any salt or anything acidic, but just that baking soda in the water, it helps them soften a lot more because I know people have a hard time with dry beans and that they, um, you know, they kind of are hard to, to get soft and, and difficult to digest. But that is one that people in the Middle East use that to soften beans, like when, you know, they make hummus, for example. Um, so you might want to try that also so you're soaking them overnight beforehand, but using that baking soda might help. You can then add um, apple cider vinegar, or uh, if you just want to offset that sort of um, that baking soda alkaline thing going on. Um, but you might also just explore different other beans. I mean, maybe this is the time for you to look at something else if, if that's just not working for you. Mm-hmm.